Blog Talk Radio. to health. 
You know, sometimes you will reach a certain point in life where you have an amazing story about your life, but perhaps you just don't feel you're the writer. So we can interview and research and actually write the book. And, of course, it would say, as told to um, when we do that for a client, and we do have one that we're doing that for now. Uh, We edit, and that has various meanings. You know, when you choose an editor, you need to know what you're looking for, and we are we provide developmental editing and contextual editing. So that means if we have an author who's trying to write a book and their characters are going off and they're losing them in the story, we'll help them bring that story back into focus and help them maintain timelines. It really gets confusing to readers if you're not somewhat chronological in your in your storytelling. So we just help them maintain a flow in their writing. Now, there are other editors who simply proofread, and oh. that's okay, too. You need that. I mean, you need a copy editor. You need a proofreader. And uh, for an autobiography, we help our author decide what they need to leave in and what needs to go. I mean, sometimes you just can't tell it all. Uh, we have uh, one author, for example, who is writing an 80,000-word book and has already written 460,000 words. So something has to go. Uh, so that's part of our role is to give some good advice. And, you know, some of the authors will present us a finished manuscript and they just want the copy editing and proofreading only, and that's fine. Um, we will design the book's layout if requested, and we'll find an illustrator or take photographs or research um, life, family, and uh, go to the library, do whatever needs to be done, and research historic photographs if they're looking for those. And then you will have some authors who will come to you and say, I've written my book, this is my masterpiece, uh, now help me sell it. You know, they they don't understand social media. I know that seems a little hard in today's world, but there are plenty of authors who just want to write the book and don't really understand that this is now their product. Uh, you've got to sell this and make people want to buy it and go sign books and do all that. So. So we'll help create a marketing strategy for them and choose, help them choose a print-on-demand company. Um, in today's market, you know, a lot of people wish they could get a big deal from Random House or, you know, one of the big companies that's still out there. Some of them have merged. Um, it's hard to get one of those those contracts. And when you do, a lot of the authors find out that your percentage is going to be really tiny by the time they get through. So, in my personal opinion, it is better to do print-on-demand because what happens is, and I have a good friend, in fact, you interviewed her, Lily Leonardi, um, you interviewed her last year, who wrote her first book and printed it through print-on-demand, and then, of course, she has since been picked up and given a large contract, and she's doing quite well. So, if your book sells, the big company will notice. And the other thing is that, some authors just don't want to fool with creating an author page on Facebook or they don't understand web pages. And so we can help them with that. We can uh, guide them with a plan. And, you know, if if they feel that they've got a, their own plan in mind, this book is so fabulous that everybody in the world is going to want it, then we'll step back. But uh, I recall sharing some information. I'm sure you've heard of John Locke. He was written up in the Wall Street Journal. Um, he's quite interesting. He was a multimillionaire business owner and then decided to write a series of detective stories and made sure he had five written and spent two years making friends on various forums before his first book came out. So when his first detective story came out, he ended up putting $350,000 in the the bank in about six months. 
And I understand that there's some people who said, well, you know, he's not a real literary writer. Well, you know, that's okay. Guess who's putting the money in the bank? Um, it is all about knowing knowing your product. And and that's not to say that you couldn't decide you just want to write for your family. You know, you may decide you just want to journal what your grandmother told you when she was growing up. And this is going to be 25 books you give out at Christmas. And that's fine. That's perfectly fine. So the, the main thing to understand is that if you write the book, you've got to be there to support it. And I, I read someone the other day that said, you, you don't need to write your book and then go to the golf course and expect it to sell. But we write a contract that offers each client what they need. We think we want them to succeed. And so far, every client we've had has been different in their needs. And that's great. You know, I hope we can help them do whatever it is that they need. Um, now, one of the things that we do is we create marketing packages now for events and organizations such as the West Tennessee Artisan Trail. I'm the co-director of that, and we are creating press releases and photographs and brochures, illustrations and magazines and gift catalogs for them as well. Um, I, th- I think the, the main thing that I would share with anyone who is considering writing a book is to understand when you go to to your editor or your company to talk to them, you need to know exactly, as you put it, what do you offer? Because there are some companies that will say, bring us your book and we'll print it for you. And that could be an issue. Did Aunt Hattie read your book? Did Aunt Martha read your book? Did your best friend read your book? You know, you really need a professional editor to go over it when you get through And then you also need to have a designer who can lay your book out for you, and some companies offer that. So that's that's pretty well, I think that pretty well summarizes what we do. So I think um, it sounds like from what you're talking about, the, the specialty is in creating the book, and then when it comes to the marketing strategies, um, the author has to be proactive but also uh come up with a strategy that's a winning strategy. Exactly. Right. Exactly. Are you in a niche market? You know, you have to decide that. How would you say journalism um, from your experience? Can you tell us a little bit about your experience in journalism? I love writing and interviewing people. I've always been curious, and I think that is a key thing if you're going to be good in journalism. You have to ask why and want to get answers and talk to more people until you feel like you have really covered this story. I began writing, actually, as a freelancer for various organizations, and um, that eventually led to me being hired as a feature editor which led me to a larger newspaper where I worked the news desk and laid out the front page and handled the region section. Eventually, I moved to cover politics in the Tennessee State Legislature, which was truly a great experience. I enjoyed so much covering the state legislature and wrote some large projects at that time. Then I became a magazine editor after that, but I really enjoyed investigative writing because I believe the public has a right to know what is affecting their lives. You know, whether it's changes in the education system that are going to affect your child's schools 
are there laws being passed that are going to have an adverse effect on your on you and you're just you don't know what that law really says? Or is there a misuse of city or county funds that's going on? You know, I just think the public has a right to know. But I also truly enjoyed writing about local people of any age who are going out and making changes for good in our world. You know, it's it's great to write a story on someone who is beginning and here they are now. I can think of two individuals in particular that I wrote about when they just came out of college. One of them was Ben Epps, who's now a director in Hollywood and worked with Mel Gibson. And another is uh, Lauren Pritchard, who has a show on Broadway. And I interviewed them when they were, you know, 18, 19, 23, somewhere around in there. And here they are doing so wow. great. You know, it's it's fun. It's fun. So I I loved it. How would you and, say journalism has changed over the years? Well, there are fewer assets and people and financial backing to go after the really big story that will take time to investigate. I can recall a reporter once who was flown to Russia to write a series on life in Russia for Gannett, and it was a great series. But today, would you be able to do that? Not quite so often. I think the the community newspapers seem to be doing okay. People always want the local news about their events. But the larger papers are struggling, and the TV stations have cut staff as well. So you end up, for example, in a regional paper with a receptionist who is writing briefs and doing things to keep the newspaper going. And it's sad to me to walk into a newsroom that was once filled with action that was so loud when you were coming up the deadline that you could stand there and, and just feel the emotion and the tenseness, and now you walk in and there's all those empty desks. Uh, but uh, the other issue is that when you have cut staff, it uh, it's you have to research everything. And that time is what journalists don't have today. So in today's media industry, there are great journalists out there working and they're in a rush to publish to fill the hole for the day, which I understand because there were some times I had to do that. But then there are corrections at the bottom of the articles online, and then there are more corrections later. There used to be a time when having to publish that many corrections would get you in a lot of trouble in the newsroom. But now it's get it out there, fix it later. Uh, journalists today aren't just writers. The, the true journalist is going to have to be able to take photographs, and create illustrations and create a package, which is great, um, but it is certainly different from what it used to be when a journalist's sole goal was to research the story and then there was a team of photographers who were going to do the rest of it and then illustrators who took care of that. So it's, it's going to be really interesting to see what happens to publishing over the next few years. And blogs are in, are filling a huge void because people want to read someone they feel they know. Bloggers today are like the newspaper columnists of yesterday. Many people turn to radio and local radio stations to hear the news and to hear the hometown voices because that's relevant to them. True, true. I Some journalists now, because so much of print has become part of the web, have also had to become videographers as right. well. Exactly, and videographers. Yes, they have to do it all and submit it online, which is which is great. Uh, I don't say that it's bad. In fact, I think it helps you understand the whole process better. True. 
very true. So what would you, advice would you give to, let's say, the more traditional journalists who have to make a career change? Because I understand you yourself are a jewelry maker yes, as well. Yes, <laughs> My advice for journalists who are making career changes would be to make them in a hurry because of all the changes that are coming and they're going to have an effect on your life and your livelihood. Find something that will make you a good income. If a journalist wants to get out of newspapers, print, for example, completely, or broadcast, they will have to redefine what their expectations are. I had a good friend recently who left one newspaper chain for another, only to have the one she left by the one she just joined. And she didn't intend to stay in that previous newspaper chain for various reasons. So now she's looking to go back to school and get a degree in nursing, which, of course, is a huge change, but... Frankly, I would tell someone, unless you are very secure in where you are, you need to redefine yourself. Wow. Okay, that's a, that's pretty good advice. Um, tell us a little bit about your jewelry company. I started reconfiguring art jewelry in '04, and I can tell you that I could see what was coming down the pike in the media industry, but that was not the major focus. I just had a vision of jewelry I could create. I had not been a jewelry designer before, but I did have an extensive art studies background. And you know, the, the principles you learn in color, contrast, form, and function do not change. Uh, so I started, I began studying architecture magazines, and I, I looked at jewelry as though it were a small piece of architecture. I did not study jewelry catalogs because I really did not want to copy anything that I saw. At first, I used only recycled copper from computer parts, and that led to a highly successful first gallery show that was featured in Art World News Magazine. And then PBS's show, Tennessee Crossroads, was interested because of my focus on the recycled copper. The gallery owner who had supported me in the beginning became my mentor and really helped me grow my confidence. You know, she was so great. I, when I first went in, you know, when you're a newspaper writer and you're used to people who come to you and say, I've done this great thing, and you sit there and you say, okay, well, maybe. But she said, look, bring it in. Let's put it out on the shelves. Let's see how it works. You never know until you try. That was her key word. I said, okay. And it went really well. Um, my first works are, were highly eclectic and non-traditional. And I create the design based on the center cabochon and the rest follows from that. But my new work incorporates all natural stones of grade A quality and sterling silver and 14 karat gold, as well as copper. So obviously I've evolved, and that's what you're supposed to do as an artist. Um, the designs, I will say, are for powerful, confident women. And I will say that Business and Professional Women of Tennessee members have been fabulous mentors to me and supporters of my jewelry business. I have to share this story. I was at an economic summit in Nashville with a group of BBW members, and the doctor's wife said she just had to have the necklace an attorney was wearing that evening who was standing next to me. And the attorney, a longtime BBW member, looked at me, promptly sold the necklace and said, here, you can buy it off my neck, and said, my designer's right here, Jackie Hillman, and she'll make another design for me, which, of course, I was glad to do. I love it that my customers will walk up to someone seeing a piece of my work and say, that's a Jackie. They don't call it RCF, and that's okay. That's great. But I have created a new line that I call the Petite Divas Collection, 
smaller designs because there are some women who are just not comfortable with a large necklace, which I haven't loved. Okay. Um, that sounds like a great evolution uh, in your company. So what would you say the future vision is of the, the Hill Helen Group? When I think of the Hill Helen Group, everything that I have worked on has evolved. For example, uh, the jewelry the, the, the jewelry business has evolved into gallery shows and, you know, now I'm loading and selling in, uh, online and all of these wonderful things. And I was chosen to design the 200 perfect 36 brooches for the Tennessee Women's Suffrage Monument Foundation, which was fabulous. And again, these women were strong mentors. For the Hill Holland Group, here we are with nine new authors. We're already talking with others. And we just want to get them where they need to be. Someone asked me what our genre was, and in truth, we don't really have a genre. We're working on a third novel, an, an historical romance, a political activist who's telling her story. She worked with two U.S. presidents, and she writes behind-the-scenes stories, and they are, some of them are funny, some of them are poignant, and some of them make you angry, but they are great stories. We have two authors writing memoirs and a young adult novel, a first mystery, and a book of poetry, by the way, that a a young veteran has written. She is graduating from the University of Memphis Lambeth, and we're going to help her publish that. And we're just writing a book on a brilliant individual with a lifelong battle with Crohn's disease, a former CEO who is talking about what medical technology offers today, the major advancement. If only we can get this medical technology into the United States. So, you know, I see us in the future. In the spring, we intend to offer some writing classes in hopes of providing encouragement to those who need it. This month, I've met and mentored several college graduates who are interested in the publishing field, so I'm always trying to provide good advice. My senior partner is working on his science, finishing his science fiction novel, and I'm writing a mystery, so yes, we do this too. We've nominated one of our authors, Dr. Charles Cox, for the Independent Book Publishers Association Award in History for his book, Monument to Healing, Two Soldiers and a Good Death, 1852-1914. It is a great story. He has done a wonderful job with that, and we have another author we're about to nominate. So our goal is to guide our authors, bring out their books, help them find their success, and in whatever field they're in. So that's, that's what I look forward to. I love sitting down with an author and finding out what they want and helping them get there. Okay, and with your jewelry company, do you have any upcoming events or exhibits? I'm going to be showing my jewelry at the West Tennessee Artisan Trail Christmas Open House on December 5th from 10 a.m. to 3 p.m. in Jackson, and photos designed for that show will be on my Facebook page on December 2nd, just prior to the show, so anyone can message me to buy and I'll have other new work is going up at xanadugallery.com. I love that gallery in Scottsdale. I have a beautiful piece of Sonoran Sunrise available for a minimum bid of 500 at the Nashville Belmont Mansion auction online. You can find that on my Reconfigured Art Jewelry page. And in terms of our authors, uh, the most recent ones, we have their books are out at Amazon.com, Barnes and & and Books a Million, but we, and that includes Dr. Charles Cox and historian Harvard Alexander, who's well-known. Then we will have both authors assigning and selling their books in uh, December 3rd at the Bank of Jackson and December 8th at Maryland Jackson's Gifts in Jackson. So we do have shows coming up on both, and I love balancing them. 
uh, I, I guess you could say I'm having too much fun in my life. And I'm also, <laughs> I mean, I'm having a good time. And I'm grateful to the people who have mentored me. I've had so many people just sit me down and say, you know, you're going in the right direction. And you are doing great things. So, uh, Or just say, you're original, your thoughts are original, push forward. Because, you know, every powerful woman is going to get up some morning and wonder, am I on the right, right path? So we need those voices that support us and say, yes, keep going. I try to, that people is, have done that for me, and I try to do it for others. That is very true, very true. Thanks so much, Jack. It's been so great having you on the phone. You are a wealth of information. I know that you and both of your companies will be a great success, and we look forward to watching your businesses grow. Well, thank you so much for having me on today. I I'm not one of those quiet people, and I enjoy talking, so call me anytime. I'll be here, I'm sure. Thank you. Thank you. For more information on the Hill-Hellman Group, you can like them on Facebook. Thanks for listening to our 2015 Business and Professional Women's Show. Tune in next time for another episode of Don't forget to check us out on Facebook and Twitter. You're listening to Enterprise on Blog Talk Radio with your host, Erica Collins.